Amen. You all are have my permission to take a seat. You're welcome. You're welcome. Fourth and fifth graders, before I forget, fourth and fifth graders, you have an amazing leader, Todd Penning, that is waiting out there with his daughter, Maddie, waving at me. Hello. Uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. Um, and I say that with complete sincerity. Uh, it is, it's humbling. It's humbling to walk with you. I'm, uh, I was reminded this morning as I was sitting there of doing ministry with you all and um, just walking with you. It, it means a ton to me. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, as Laura said, we're going to be in Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. That is right at the beginning of your Bibles. Um, and I'm going to give you a heads up. You can go ahead and, and head there right now. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to do an exercise, okay? Do you guys get nervous when I say we're going to do an exercise? No? Well, good. I'm going to have you guys talk the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's what I want you to do, okay? Uh, there is a three-by-five card that is around you, and there are a couple of them, all right, in stacks. All right, grab one of those, please. And there's also a few pens. If you have a pen, you can bring that out uh, as well. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down a word, a phrase, a paragraph. You can even draw a picture if you want. But I want you to write down how would you describe your identity and your purpose, okay? How would you, identi- how would you describe in a word, in a phrase, in a sentence, in a picture, how would you describe your identity, all right? So I'm gonna take, we're going to take a few minutes, uh, one or two minutes to go ahead and do that. So go ahead. When I see eyes looking at me, you're just waiting. Are you waiting for me to speak? <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully that was enough time for you. Uh, here's my wondering. I can't know what you wrote. Um, and I also want you to hold on to those cards, okay? We'll do something with them in, in, uh, later on in, uh, in the service. But here's what I wonder. Uh, what words did you write down? What did you name? Um, if I were to take a guess at what you listed, did it look like something like this? Did they include some of these names, right? A mom, a father, a husband, a wife, a teacher, a leader, a coach. Did it look like something like this? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, because I look at these examples, and there is a common theme that I look at, uh, or when I see these, and there is this, like, depth 
of relational fabric that happens when you look at these names and the names that you put down or, or the description. Like it's deeply personal in what you listed as your identity. If we were to look at the word identity and we were to say there are, I would argue that there are three things that are often contributed to how we name our identity. And it's our value, it's our purpose, and it's our function. Our value, our purpose, and our function. I think of it like a, um, like a job interview, okay? You go into a job interview and they are going to ask you, what question? Tell me a little bit about yourself. You hear it all the time. And what you're going to name is you're going to name how you bring value. How, do you, how would you bring value to that organization, that company, that team? And then you start naming your purpose. Well, here's why I'm, I'm coming into this job interview. Here's why this job matters to me. And then you're going to name how do you function on a team? What does that look like? Are you a team player? How do you function within the people around you? Your identity is oftentimes wrapped up in your value, in your purpose, in your function. But what happens when your identity all of a sudden starts to feel a little bit of turmoil? When all of a sudden there's like this disconnect? You can feel it a lot of times if you don't know your sense of value or your sense of purpose or your function. That's when all of a sudden it starts breaking down and it's painfully tangible of what that's doing inside of you. All of us have been impacted by depression. Every single one of us, whether that's ourselves and we're fighting it or we know of somebody that's fighting it or has fought it. Do you know, this isn't a surprise, but suicide is linked immediately to depression. But do you know what clinicians name as one of the top two reasons for depression? It's a lack of value and it's a lack of purpose. And when we don't feel this, this value, this purpose, this function, all of a sudden, our identity is shaken. I'm hoping that I'm painting like a clear enough picture of how important our identity is. How we name it in those three things, the value, purpose, and function. Because that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to look at our own identity. We're going to look at the possibility of us seeing it through a different lens. What if we look at it through a different lens of actually how God sees us? And you might be thinking, well, Ben, we're going through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. We're talking about the creation story. That's the, that's what we're, how does that even link to our identity? I would, uh, I would say that we look at the creation story through two different lenses, okay? It's a mechanics approach sometimes. And what I mean by that is a scientific approach, the how. How was, how did God create the heavens and the earth? On the first day, right, God created and said, let there be light. And then all of a sudden, day two and day three, and we see how the the heavens and the earth were created. But that's the how. I wonder if we often miss in Genesis 1 and 2 the causality of it. What I mean by that is the why. Why did God create the heavens and the earth? Why did he create you? Why did he create you? That is a really powerful question that I think we often miss when we dive into Genesis 1 and 2. 
And that is what we're going to be, what we're going to be looking into, okay? And right away, we're going to start in Genesis 1, okay? Genesis 1 towards the end. And the reason I want to start here is because I want us to lay a foundation of our value and our identity. It's really important. So right away in verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals, over, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The reason the author is naming it like this is because he wants us to see that God in his creation, and he kind of like inverses it too. There's a reason for it. He wants us to hone in on the relational aspect of it. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is key. This is absolutely key and critical in us understanding how God communicates our identity, the causality of our creation, the why we were created. Because right away, if you didn't catch it, you start to see your value and your purpose and your function listed right away in what he's naming when he says that he created you and I. This God creates humanity in the first word, if we were to keep reading in Genesis 1, the first word that he uses to describe you and me in our creation is what? Good. He created you to be good. He didn't create you to be good because of what you did or the work that you did. He created you good, period, point, blank. He created you good. And then humanity is not enslaved by this God, but rather God partners. And he empowers you and I to steward his creation. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and rule and subdue it. Your value, your purpose, your function is named right away in Genesis. Right away in the, in the very beginning of the Bible. And I want to hone in on two words that are, that are listed in there. Rule and subdue. I think, we, um, I think we can sometimes, we can see those words and we abuse them. I think we look at them through, a, through the wrong lens. If we were to look at the Hebrew translation for rule and subdue, it is to steward, it's to usher in his creation, it's to work it and take care of it. If we were to extract it and consume it and take away from it, I think that's just abuse. But God calls us to do something else. Our, our purpose and our function is to steward his creation. And it's to do it with compassion and kindness and love and to work it. Does that make sense? My, is that landing for anybody here? I hope so because it's a different way that we've often looked at that, that scripture. Creation is called good. Humanity is called good. And baked into every aspect of that is how we steward it. It's how you and I work together with creation. And when we don't link ourselves to how God views our identity, um, I think that's where we feel that brokenness. So uh, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I will. Um, 
every Friday morning, I get together with uh, my dearest friends. And we go to a coffee shop downtown. Um, I usually get there right around like 6.45. Um, I say that just to impress you. Um, but I usually get there, and for whatever reason, like, I was lagging, and I got there about 7 o'clock, and, uh, and I was, and you can pay on your phone, and I was sitting there in the car, I'm probably giving you too much information right now, but I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm about to get out of the car, and I just want you to know, like, as I enter into this coffee shop, or as I drive to, I see a significant amount of the, the homeless population, um, and, like, every time my heart breaks for that. And so I go and I park. And, and as I get out, I don't see anybody around me. But all of a sudden, when I get out of the car and I shut the door, I hear these voices. And it's like a group of people. And they are on the opposite side of my car. And they're walking down the sidewalk. And I'm telling you guys, like, I walked up and I couldn't have been any farther away than this for whatever reason. And there wasn't a fear. There wasn't anything. I don't even think they noticed me. But there were three of them. There was an older gentleman. There was a younger guy. And then there was his girlfriend. And they were homeless. And as I'm sitting there and as I'm walking by, I was like, I wonder if um, I don't meet until 730 with the, with the group. I wonder if I were to just invite them in for some coffee. And I said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. And so they were crossing the street, and I was about to open the door to go into the coffee shop. And I heard the young guy say, man, I'd love a cup of coffee. Like, it literally gives me goosebumps. And I was like, okay, God, (laughs) I know what you're doing here. (laughs) I know what you mean. I know what you want me to do. And I said, hey, guys, do you want to join me for a cup of coffee? And the older gentleman, his name's Benson. And he came up and he says, are you serious? I said, I am. I said, I'd love to. Let's go hang out. And so we got some caramel lattes. And they were sitting and the, uh, the barista said, do you, want, do you want this in a to-go cup? And he said, no. He says, I want to hang out here. I said, well, I, we usually have a table downstairs. Um, why don't you join me there? And here's my point in the story. As I talked to him and as I learned about Benson, he had a hard life. But he named something that he wanted me to know. And what he named is that back in high school, he was a fullback and he was a center. And if you know those two positions in football and basketball, what you know of them is that those are big and strong positions that require big and strong people to do it. And I thought about his identity. And I thought about what he wanted me to know. Is that he had value. And that he had purpose. And that he had function. And as I think of somebody who doesn't feel those. If I, those three by five cards that you all have. What if somebody who is at the lowest of lows and in their despair. What if they were to write down a word, a phrase, or a sentence that describes their identity. What do you think they would write? I bet it would be heartbreaking. Awful. 
Identity matters and how God sees you and I matters. I wonder if sometimes we search for our identity and our value and our purpose and our function in places that didn't create our value, our purpose, and our function. Let me repeat that. I think oftentimes we search for our identity in places that did not create our identity. And it leaves us longing and it leaves us lost. Okay, let's continue. Um, We're going to continue and we're going to go into chapter 2 here. And I want you to pick up, there are two firsts um, that are named here in the Bible. Two firsts, and that brings a ton of significance. So I want you to pay attention to it. I'll call it out. Right away, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Hold on to that. He made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. That's the second one. The Lord God. Okay? I'm going to phone up here because I want to... I want to read to you, we sang about holy, I want to name the definition of holy. What is the definition of holy? It is exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. It's the first time that God names something holy. And the first thing that he names is the day he rested. The day he rested. We, in in Hebrew, it's Shabbat, okay? But we know it and translate it to Sabbath. Sabbath is named 71 times in the Bible. Okay? 47 times is when we cease. 11 times is when it's, it's referred to as rested. So the very first time that, he, that God names something holy is when he names Sabbath. It's this six-to-one rhythm that we create in our narrative where we work, right? There's creating, there's beautiful work that's being done. And then we celebrate it and we celebrate the one who gave us this day to rest and acknowledge what God's doing. Oftentimes we see Sundays, right, as a, as a day to start, a day to start our week. What if we were to look at it as a day for us to come here and just reflect on what God has done this week and who he created you and I to be and to celebrate that? I believe if we were to make room for, um, for Sabbath, I mean, we're all busy. I'm guilty of it. If you were to ask me, like, how's your week? I just talked to my buddy Nate. How's your week? Oh, I was busy. <laughs> I was busy. Y'all do it too. It was busy. We get so wrapped up in our busyness being part of our creation and our identity that we miss the opportunity to rest and reflect on who created us and how he created us and who he created us to be. We'll talk more about Sabbath in a couple weeks, but I want to hold on to that because what I want us to recognize is that he created you and me. And when he created you, the first thing that he did was to rest and reflect on his creation of you. Like, that should be empowering for us all. Okay. Um, 
And then we're going to continue. And then God zooms in. So it's this, he zooms out and he talks about his creation and he talks about Sabbath and he talks about the importance. And then he zooms in. And this here, I want you to hear your value and your purpose and your function and how he describes. In verse 5, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent, there it is, Lord God. The Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God, again, there it is, formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and do what? You can read it. Take care of it. To rule and subdue it, which means to take care of it. Your purpose, your value, your function is all, is baked into all of this. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, is this another creation story? Because we just read in Genesis 1 last week about the creation story, and then all of a sudden we start to see it in, in a different view. And I would argue like, that this, it's kind of like if I were to ask my mom what my childhood was like. She's right there, do not ask her. I don't want you guys knowing. But if I were to ask her, she might give me an, you might give you an answer, and it might be different than what my dad had given you, okay? It's the same story. It's from a different perspective. And I want to spend a little bit of time here because it speaks to our identity. If you look in chapter 1, this is talking about like the second first that I named. If you look at chapter 1, the name God that's used in Hebrew is called Elohim. Elohim is this generic name for God that is not personal. But then all of a sudden, we see in Genesis 2 where God zooms in and he talks for the first time. And he attaches Lord God, Yahweh, which is this deeply personal name for God. And what it does is it talks about our relationship with him. And when does he name that? If you look at when he names that, he talks about now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had sprung up for the Lord God had sent rain. He provides, right? He's giving us value and he's given us uh, the, what we have for our purpose and our function. If you start to see all of that, it's this deeply personal relationship with God. And that's our identity. If we understood that every single person in this, in this room, every single person that we meet, whether on the street, on the way to a coffee shop, or at our work, or in our neighborhoods, if we were to see them the way that God sees it, them. If we were to see ourselves the way that God sees us, I'm telling you, we would understand ourselves so much better, and it's not through a lens of the work that we did or the failures that we've had in our life. It would be through his eyes. We're so, sometimes so focused on searching for our value, purpose, and function through something that didn't create our identity. 
I'm going to roll a video here, um, and I don't want to give too much away about the video, but it's a, it's a video of a man named Eric Jenis. And Eric is this brilliant, and this, the music that he, um, he's very famous, and the music that he creates is just beautiful. But he goes into some of the darkest places in the nation. Um, and here's a story. And I'm going to tell a story after it. But I want, I want you to just take in this video. So can we go ahead and roll that, please? It's such a delight to be here, guys. My name is Eric Jenis. This piece is called Promise. every person that is unspeakable never ever question your dignity sometimes a lot of these guys don't feel deserving so it's hard to go back to the block and be in a combative or irritative mood when you're experiencing things like this so there's people there's actual love and good people in the world it's, it's truly life-changing I've never met a person that's not worthy of me going through great lengths to get a performance for. They're all worthy of it because they're broken like everybody else. And, and I just think, why wouldn't I? All the more you should play for your brothers who are broken. Sometimes it's hard for me to believe in God, and just by seeing you guys coming over, so that tells me that uh, there is something that makes uh, people to be good people. And, uh, you know, I'm here working on it. I see the mercy of God just by being alive. Struck a real chord, made me feel, you know, all the guilt and, you know, despair that, you know, this place offers, and, but then he came right back and lifted us right back up. It was, it was amazing. In this environment, to have some positive is, is a hard to come by sometimes. It's such a delight to be here, guys. My name is Eric. That video, the first time I saw it, like, brought me to tears. Um... That's the causality. That's the why. That's the why God created you. 
is to steward his creation and to help others see their value and their purpose and their function. The story I want to share um, is about Eric, but it's told through a Jesuit priest. Uh, his name's Gregory, Father Gregory Boyle, and he wrote a book, and in it he included this story. Um, and so I want, to, I want to share that with you through his words. It says, I make my way to Pelican Bay State Prison at the top of the state of California near the Oregon border. The Catholic chaplain, a gentle soul named Sam, has made the arrangements. Pelican Bay has long been considered the repository of the worst of the worst. It has forever been this last stop of all stops. Sam walks me through a segregated unit, one man cells holding the most incorrigible. He announces me to the cell ahead. It's Father, Greg, it's Father Greg from Homeboy Industries. Many become like little kids in juvenile hall again. Gee, dog, remember me? You used to throw mass at Central at East Lake. After Sam would announce me, I would step up and carry on a brief conversation and end with a blessing. I celebrate mass in the gym on A Yard. Sam has secured a large group to gather and also has also been allowed to take pictures, which is not permission that's usually granted. After Mass, inmates pose with me, one, four, sometimes groups of 12 or more, and I meet a guy named Louis with every inch of his face covered in tattoos, a calling card for a seriously traumatized human being. Tattoos like this can often be a keep-away sign, meant to keep all comers from guessing to the mental, the mental stability of the tattooed one. Louis has all day, sentenced forever, and will never leave prison alive. He is goofy, and he's charming, and not at all off-putting. He becomes the phantom, ever-present photobomber. He manages to insinuate himself into every picture, Though never invited, he steps into the shot and no one rebuffs him. He's just this tender part of the scenery. As Sam and I walk from the gym after Mass, I mention Louie and laugh about our interred photobomber. Sam tells me that some months earlier he had planned a concert by Eric Jenis. Eric has performed at Carnegie Hall and later at Homeboy Industries. He plays the piano and has a couple others who accompany on strings. Sam had secured permission for 200 inmates to show up to this concert. But only 60 showed up, and Sam was a little bit disappointed. Eric had planned to play for 45 minutes and then, and then engage in a question and answer session for 15 minutes. He began to play, and something descended on these folks gathered in the same gym where I had just celebrated the Eucharist. There were there was this reverent stillness in the air. Inmates and guards alike were held in the music spell. It was this glorious thing that Sam had ever witnessed at Pelican Bay. He looked at the prisoners, and soon, soon they were all sobbing. He saw that the guards were flicking away tears. This magnific magnificent music had detonated some release, so welcome and unexpected. Eric finished and turned, turned to his stunned audience and listened to this and asked if there were any questions. There was only silence for some time, but then Louis, our photobomber, rose. He had something to say, but he was still crying so hard. It was momentarily a struggle for him to locate his question. 
He could only utter one word. Why? Eric began to cry as well and said, because you, you are deserving. You are worthy of beauty and music. And because there is no difference between you and me, our identities are the same. And here, I suppose in faith that saves when we are anchored in love and tethered to a sustaining God and ever mindful of our undeniable goodness. That's why. That is causality. Some of us have attached our value. Some of us have attached our purpose and our function to the wrongs that we've done, to the things that we feel guilty and shamed of. Some of us have attached our value and our purpose and our function uh, to, the, to our work, to our titles. All of those are fleeting. And if we attach ourselves and our identity to the things that we have done wrong or we feel guilty or shamed of, then we lose sight of the fact that God created you and I good. Good. That's it. And if you feel like your identity is tied to a decision that you made in the past and you are not worthy of his love or you are not feeling like you are good, I want you to understand that the Bible is filled with stories of people who have fallen short and yet God loves them and he uses them to steward in his creation. That's their identity. It is filled with it. You are not alone. Every single person in this room has fallen short. And if you feel like you haven't, you haven't looked hard enough. So here's my challenge for you this week. Take that three by five card, okay? Take that three by five card And sometime today, I want you to pray over it, and I want you to write down what is your identity through the lens that God has for you? How would God name his identity and also your purpose for you? How would he name your identity and your purpose? I want you to write that down in every morning. Every morning, I want you to look at that because I think that when we lean in to how who God created us to be in our value and our purpose and our function, what happens then is we see opportunities through a new lens to usher in his creation. And if you aren't there right now, I would love to have a conversation with you. I want you to see yourself through a different lens if you're not there. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. Um, God, that you created us good. Nothing more. Just created us good and it's not, it's not tied to the things that we do or it's not tied to the things we didn't do. It's not tied to our wrongs or our rights. It's tied purely because you created us and we are your children. God, I pray for those that are struggling to see that today. Um, God, that's heavy on my heart. God, I want others to see themselves the way that you see them. 
not giving in to the lies of the enemy, not giving in to the lies that others tell them, but God, who you see them to be, God, I pray they realize that. And through the Holy Spirit's transformative work, God, we then see our value, our purpose, and our function, God, to go and usher in the kingdom to steward your creation. God, we love you. God, we bless you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.